Hey, good morning again. When we founded Emmanuel, one of the things that we wanted to do was to make sure that Christmas was more than just a pleasant interruption for us. For hundreds of years, millions of believers all around the globe have observed a season called Advent. The word Advent means arrival or appearing. And the intent behind the season of Advent is to use the weeks leading up to Christmas to prepare our hearts and prepare our homes for a fresh Advent of Christ in our lives. We're calling this year's Advent series Expecting. And we're going to focus on the opening chapters of the Gospel of Luke, which include this verse. This is Luke 3.15, and it says, The people were waiting expectantly for the Messiah. Well, in this series, we're going to explore the expectations that people had then about the Messiah, and we're going to compare those expectations to the expectations that people have today. And I'm going to tell you right now, this has the chance to change everything as we head into 2021. All right, let's get started. If you're taking notes, I invite you to write this down. Before COVID hit, we took a lot for granted. Can I get an amen to that? Oh, before COVID hit, who would have expected that there would be long stretches where you couldn't go out to eat with a friend? Or who would have expected that you couldn't gather with extended family on Thanksgiving? Who would have expected there'd be long stretches when you couldn't attend a concert or a show or even a movie? Who would have expected that Major League Baseball and professional hockey and football and basketball, all those seasons would be suspended? Who would have expected that you couldn't give a hug or a handshake? Who would have expected that you couldn't invite more than 10 people to your wedding? And who would have expected that you couldn't be there at the bedside of a loved one in the hospital as they were going through their darkest moment? Before COVID, I don't know anyone who said, oh, the church depends on the building. But it was interesting to watch what happened when the church buildings closed and how people responded. Well, one of the things that was open this fall was Covenant Pines Camp. And we were able to figure out how you do a fall retreat during COVID in a snowstorm. It was fantastic. Well, one of the sessions that we had with our teens, we talked about the Lord of the Rings. And uh, there was this evil character named Sauron. Well, in the story... He created a ring of power. And when that ring was destroyed, he was destroyed. I used to think that that was just so strange. How, how does that even work? How, how does someone as powerful as this evil being, how does he get destroyed and his whole empire get destroyed just because a little ring got destroyed? But this was an example of how brilliant the author was. This is something that happens all the time. Because you see, Sauron, he had poured so much of himself into that ring. And what happens when you pour too much of yourself into the wrong relationship? Or pour too much of yourself into a sport? Or an activity? Or grades? Or a career? Or a dream? Or a way of doing church? What happens when you pour too much of yourself into something and then that something gets taken away from you. How many of you have seen that happen? A whole life gets undone. 
A lot of people found out in 2020 what can happen when you put too much hope into something that can be taken away. Well, what if, what if we could anchor our expectations to something that can't be shaken? What if this Advent, we re-examined where we were placing our hope? If 2020 taught us anything, it woke us up to how something as small as a virus can turn our entire world upside down if we're not anchored to something solid. So let's go back to that very first Christmas. Let's do our best to hit the reset button as we head into 2021. If you have your Bible with you, let's open up to the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you've been taught. And then the narrative continues with this. In the days of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. And on the narrative goes from there. There are a lot of things I love about Luke, including the fact that what he wants to do is provide a well-researched, orderly account. And one of the ways that you do that One of the ways you provide a historical account is to provide a historical context. Luke's narrative begins in the days of who? Who did it say? It begins in the days of Herod, the king of Judea. The passages we're going to look at in the weeks ahead, they have a very real context. One of the times uh, when that context really sank in for me was when I went to see the Dead Sea Scroll exhibits. Dead Sea Scrolls exhibit when it came to town. Boy, the backstory of those scrolls. It reads like a movie script. There were these shepherds and they were out in the wilderness and and one of them crashed into a cave. And in that cave were all these scrolls, ancient scrolls, really, really, really old. And some of those scrolls contain sections of our Bible. Why is that significant? Because the scrolls provided more evidence that the Bible we have today didn't change over time. Our Bible is anchored in real historical events. And the stories that it contains, they have been carefully and accurately passed down from generation to generation to generation, ultimately to us. All right, well, at the Dead Sea Scrolls exhibit, they had this video loop that was playing over and over and over again that really struck out to me. On the screen, and if you can imagine this, on the screen there was a map. So imagine a map of the Middle East, the whole Middle East. Well, the video, what it did is it kept showing how these lands kept changing hands over time. So again, imagine this with me. Imagine a map of the entire Middle East, and then imagine as it gets colored as kingdoms and empires rise and fall. So imagine it starts off with a little dot in that bigger map and that little dot was in the nation of Israel as it was becoming a nation and its its borders were getting solidified under the leadership of King David. And then imagine then that little dot growing in size under the reign of the next king, King Solomon. Now imagine seeing that, that dot 
break up and divide into two during the period of civil war where the nation of Israel broke into two nations, the, the nation of Israel in the north and the nation of Judah in the south. Now imagine a much bigger color swatch growing in the north as the nation and empire of Assyria rose and then how this nation came in and swept in and, and took over the lands of the northern kingdom. Now imagine another empire coming, the, the empire of Babylon, and this whole thing just growing and taking Assyria and all of the Holy Land. And now imagine new colors coming out of the map and I'm taking over all of that, the Persians and then the Greeks and then the Romans. Well, as I was preparing this teaching, I couldn't help but notice how COVID is a lot like an invading force. It's not content to stay within the borders of a single nation or region or even a continent. When the Holy Land was invaded, their festivals and celebrations and holidays were stripped away. Any of that sound familiar? They couldn't gather with family and friends and community as they once did. They couldn't work in ways that would sustain their household. Any of that sound familiar? Some of them fled to isolated areas, but there was nowhere that they could go that was safe. Does that sound familiar? They tried hiding behind fortified walls to keep the enemy out. But as the lockdown went on, they began to feel themselves wasting away and many were prepared to surrender rather than remain locked in. Does any of this sound familiar to anyone? Now, I don't want to take this analogy too far. What they experienced in the Holy Land was so much worse. Imagine, imagine the coronavirus personified into an army, an invading army, whose purpose was to destroy you and destroy your family and destroy your nation, destroy everything that you loved. The most horrific atrocities that you can imagine came to pass. They were committed against the Jewish people during these invasions. And it wasn't just month after month, it was decade after decade. It was century after century. That is the real historical context in what we call the time between the time. Z. The time between the end of the Old Testament and the start of the new. And as people cried out during that time for salvation, for deliverance, if you're taking notes, I invite you to write this down too. Before Christ, people we're expecting different kinds of messiahs. And I'm gonna ask you to leave this slide up on the screen because I wanna point out, I wanna point out three things. Thing number one, in our English Bible, Christ and Messiah are synonyms. Christ is translated from Greek, Messiah is translated from Hebrew, and both mean anointed one. Thing number two, pop quiz. If you do a search, for the word Messiah, how many times does it appear in the New Testament? Got a number in your head? Number might surprise you. If you search in a more literal translation like the ESV, 
The word Messiah only appears twice in the entire New Testament. The one I gave you earlier, you have to go to a less literal translation to find that one. If you use a literal translation, the word we translate as Messiah only appears twice in the entire New Testament. You'll find it in John chapter 1, verse 41, and John chapter 4, verse 25. Okay, but what about the Old Testament? Old Testament. If Messiah is a Hebrew word, Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, how many times do you think the Old Testament uses the term that we translate as the Messiah? 100 times? 200 times? 300 times? Try zero. Zero. Thing number three. Did you notice that I used the word kinds, plural, and Messiah's, plural? That was on purpose. Before the advent of Jesus, there was no one single agreed-upon set of expectations surrounding the Messiah. Those of you who are familiar with the Bible, those who grew up in, in Sunday school or grew up listening to messages at church, how many of you say, what I've just described here is very different than what you were taught? It certainly is different than what I was taught. How many of you would have expected that the word Messiah appeared all over the Bible and that the Jews would have been expecting the same thing from the Messiah? That's why I want to encourage us all to fact check, fact check. If you do, here's a sample of what you'll find. There can be little doubt that the importance and centrality of royal ideology has been exaggerated and the variety within Jewish tradition underestimated. In other words, the idea that the Jewish people all believed the same thing about the Messiah, it simply isn't true. People had different expectations then as they do now. Here's another example of what you'll find if you study the origins of the word Messiah. One should realize that in the Old Testament, the term anointed is never used of a future savior, savior redeemer. And that in later Jewish writings of the period between 200 BC and 8100, the term is only used infrequently in connection with agents of divine deliverance expected in the future. All right, the point made here in this quote that I just read is that the Hebrew word that we get the word Messiah from isn't used a lot in the Bible. And when the word is used, it's usually translated as anointed. In the 30 or so uses of the word anointed, it sometimes refers to prophets, it sometimes refers to priests, and it sometimes, in fact, most often refers to kings. So this is why the Jews at the time of Jesus, they didn't all expect the same kind of Messiah. Most of them expect, or at least I should say the most popular expectation, was that there would be a royal figure who would rise from the line of David. He would rise up in the last days. He would defeat Israel's enemies and usher in a time of peace. That was the most common expectation. But there were those who believed that God was going to usher in a new age without a new agent. And there were others who believed that the Messiah wouldn't be the one to usher in the new age himself, what the Messiah would do would be to prepare the way. Some expected the Messiah to reveal himself primarily through signs. The Samaritans didn't place their hope in a king from the line of David. They were expecting a new Moses, while others were expecting the return of Elijah. And then there were some who spoke of not one anointed one, but two. Okay, 
This is why the arrival of Jesus was so significant. Here's how one of my sources put it. What it means to call Jesus the Christ is a surprise, a scandal, a critical moment that demands the reappraisal of the whole biblical witness. Do you see what's being said there in that quote? The advent of Jesus, the advent of the real Christ, the real Messiah, caused people to go back to the scriptures that they had with a new set of eyes. It's like that scene from the movie National Treasure. How many of you have seen National Treasure? Oh, it's like a scene in that movie where the heroes, they find this special set of glasses. And when they put this special set of glasses on, they can look at this treasure map. And when they look at the treasure map, they can see now with these new glasses, they can see things that they they didn't see before. Jesus was like that for the people of his day, how they looked at the Old Testament after him. In the time of Jesus, scriptures that they had, the scriptures they had, were the Old Testament. And with these new lenses, they began to see that the Messiah wasn't the Messiah that they expected. The Messiah was so much more, so much more. Well, in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to do the same thing with a section of the New Testament. We're going to look closely at the account of Zechariah, a priest in a temple. We're also going to look at the story of Mary, a young woman at home. And we're going to also look at the story of some shepherds who were keeping watch over their, over their flocks in the fields by night. And we're going to see that God is closer than we think. He appears to unexpected people in unexpected places with unexpected plans. In the time between the Testaments, people had been waiting. And they had been waiting expectantly. But when the Messiah came, He came in such an unexpected way that most people missed him. Don't let that be you. Here's an important question. I invite you to write it down. What kind of Messiah have you been expecting? When it comes to God's salvation, most people set their sights too low. Can I get an amen? There are people, there are a lot of people, especially here in the U.S., who hold out hope for a Messiah who's going to give you what you think you want. Let me say that again. A lot of people are holding out hope for a Messiah who's going to give you what you think you want. Who does that sound like? That doesn't sound like Jesus. That sounds a lot more like Santa. Well, this Christmas season, let's not settle for Santa. How does the Santa thing work? It works like this. You seek out Santa about once a year. You ask Santa for the things that you think you want. And then he checks his list. Have you been naughty or have you been nice? If you've been nice enough, if you've been good enough, when you're sleeping about once a year, he'll sneak in your house and give you that thing that you think you want. And then he'll be gone until you need him next year. There were people in Jesus' day who looked at their savior or looked had expectations, I should say, of a savior who was a lot like that too. But the real Jesus, the real Jesus, 
He came in such an unexpected way that he divided history in two between B.C. and A.D. And I know it's really popular these days to not use B.C. and use A.D., but to use B.C.E. and C.E. Before the Common Era and the Common Era. But what you're doing, can I just tell you, what you're doing, even if it's got good intentions, what you're doing when you do that is it's, it's like those people, they have this original, beautiful masterpiece, these old pieces of art, and then it looks like it's fading, so they try to paint over it. You don't want to do that. Don't miss the original masterpiece that was trying to say, let's divide history based on the act of God coming and stepping in, the advent of the Messiah. BC stands for before Christ, and AD is an abbreviation for Latin words that translate, get this, the year of our Lord. As I look back on the year 2020 for ECC, and Sam is here recording with me. Sam, you got my back on this. As hard as it was, as hard as it was, 2020 was the year of our Lord for us, wasn't it? It was the year of our Lord. God met us in this. He met us in the midst of this. We experienced God this year. We were able to see how God had prepared us for this moment. We were able to see how, how God was refining us. He clarified things for us. God opened doors, including doors to this place. God accelerated our growth in so many ways. God brought people together. God gave us amazing memories. And God is preparing us for the future. How many of you would love to have 2021 be the year of your Lord, regardless of what comes your way? If that's what you want, then don't settle for Santa. Don't settle for a Messiah, a Savior, who's going to just give you what you think you want. Don't place so much of your hope and trust in things that can be undone. Seek the Savior who wants to lead you to what your soul longs for most. I was thinking about that ring analogy that we were using earlier. And as I was typing out these words, I prayed for you. I prayed for you, and I've typed these words many times here as I've done different drafts of this. I prayed for you. I tried to pray for you each time that God is going to open your eyes so you can see the rings for what they really are. The key to the life that you and I want most, it's not holding out hope for something out there that we can grab onto. The key to the life that you want most is about God refining what's in here and refining what's in here. What does precious metal look like when it first comes out of the ground? What do precious gems look like before their, their facets are carefully crafted? Do you want 2021 to be the year of our Lord? Well, this Christmas season, then let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. In the midst of circumstances beyond your control, because circumstances, most circumstances, they're beyond your control. In the midst of that, let him refine you 
the way that a craftsman refines precious metal. In the midst of challenges that you never sought out, they just found you. Let God do this. Imagine, picture, I, I, I want to invite you to picture this. Imagine an uncut diamond. What God wants to do in you, he put amazing things in you. You are his workmanship. Let him craft you as a beautiful diamond is crafted. Let him do that in the midst of all these challenges you never sought out. In these crazy, troubled times, where it seems like everything is being taken away, one thing after another, let's welcome the one whose kingdom cannot be shaken. Can I get an amen? I got one last quote, and then an invitation, and then we're going to seal our time with the song. Here's the quote. Rather than being so obsessed with keeping Christ in Christmas, we ought to be more concerned about keeping Christ in the Christian. That's the quote. Here's our invitation. This Advent, let's welcome the Savior. Don't settle for Santa. Let's welcome the long-awaited Messiah who came in such an unexpected way as a child. Let's embrace the wonder of this moment. What child is this? whom angels greet with anthems sweet. What child is this whose shepherds watch our keeping, whom peasants and kings bow before and offer gifts that speak not only of his majesty, but also of the sacrifice that he is going to make on behalf of the world that he loves. This, this is Jesus the Messiah. This this is Christ the King. Over the course of this season, we are going to sing some wonderful songs together. Let's join and sing this one.